Acts chapter 1, we're going to look there. And I want to ask you this question. Have you, have you ever felt like you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing? Like, you're in life, and you're working, and you've got your family, and you're doing, but they're just, every now and then, if you kind of pull away from the, the hamster wheel, you know, and, and you pull away, and you go, I re- what am I doing? What, what am I really doing? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing? What does God want me to be doing? Am I just, am I just living my own life, living for myself, doing what I want to do? Or does God have a plan? Does God have a purpose? Is there something specific I'm supposed to be doing? Like, what... What specifically should I be focusing on right now in this time of my life, my marriage, my kids' lives? You know, and you start really thinking about all those things, it can kind of stress you out a little bit, you know. But one of the things that fasting will do, again, if you do it right, and I'm, I'm praying for you that through this fast, one of the things that you got out of it was some clarity and some focus about your year. Now, you don't have to know, and people get hung up on this, Okay, you don't have to know God's whole plan for your life. You don't have to know your big purpose and, and call. All you have to be able to do <coughs> is hear from the Holy Spirit about what I'm supposed to do next, right? What I'm supposed to do this year as a pastor. You know, when we first started pastoring this church, that's all the questions you have, you know, is, man, what's our church going to do? Why is God planning this church? Where are we going to be in 10 years? Where are we going to be in 20 years? And what I learned real fast is the Lord showed me, you just walk with me closely every day and you'll end up right where you're supposed to be. You don't have to know what's coming in six months. You don't have to know what's coming in a year. You don't have to know what's coming in 20 years. I've designed it where you you are dependent on me and you're required to come to me every day for your daily bread and I'll give you what you need, and that'll carry you, and the next day I'll do it again and again and again. And then by doing that, you wake up one day and you look around and you go, man, look what God's done. Isn't it amazing? The lives that have been touched, the, all that's been done you know, by the power of God. But I'm not a huge person you know, to talk about five-year plans, ten-year plans, knowing the future. That's good, but in a lot of ways, that's man's attempt to do it without God. In other words, just to look ahead and go, well, I don't hear God talking, and it's hard to hear from God, so I'm going to just make my own plan and try to work that plan. You can do that. You can do it your way. It's called doing it in your own strength. You can do that. Or you can live so close to the Lord, and you can spend time with Him every day. You can go to Him every day for your daily bread, and He'll give you just what you need, and He'll help you stay focused. And by doing that, you'll wake up one day, and you'll realize, man, look at what God has done in my life, in my marriage, in my kids. Look at what God has done through a vessel that was just willing to be used by God. So I'm hoping that through the fast, because you set aside time to be with God for three weeks and you you pushed out some other things and you focused on God, one of the things you should have gotten for this year is a little bit of focus, a little bit of clarity about what you're supposed to be focusing on this year. That's one of the things that should have come out of the fast. If you didn't get that, you need to keep fasting. All right, keep fasting until you get it. Go back and start over because you didn't do it right the first time, okay? Because God has something specific for you for this year that you need to be focused on. And it's going to make sense by the time you get to the end of the sermon. But let me read Acts 1 to you. Acts 1, 4. Jesus was on the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected from the dead. And in those 40 days, he appeared and he gave some instruction to his disciples multiple times. One of those times, Acts 1-4, says, And while staying with them, he ordered them. Everybody say ordered. 
See, it's not a suggestion. It's, a, it's an order. We do receive orders from God. Okay? As His servants, as His, as his children, as people that work for God, we receive orders. And this was one of them. While staying with them, He ordered them. Didn't ask, didn't suggest, didn't say it'd be a good idea. He ordered them. Do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, what's going on here? Well, they, they've just experienced the, the most amazing three years of their life. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came in the flesh did miracles, fed 5,000, raised people from the dead, crucified on the cross. Now he's raised from the dead. And one of the things he had told them earlier was, you're going to carry this message all over the world. See, that was their big call. That was their big 10, 20-year plan that they were thinking about. Man, Peter's starting to realize his call. John's starting to realize his call. Man, we're going to take this message all over the world. But the first thing God said, yeah, but for right now, for, for what's right in front of you, here's the orders. Do the opposite of that. I don't want you going into all the world. I don't want you taking this message into all the world because I've got something that you need first. So for what your focus is supposed to be right now, he said, do not depart Jerusalem, stay right here. Well, they already had the great commission to go into all the world. But now he's saying, stay right here and do not depart because you need something first. And we know that, of course, that was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was going to fuel the great commission. They didn't really understand that yet. But they, they needed to wait. So verse 12. They've been ordered to stay, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, son of James. And all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. So... In a sense, it looked like everything in their life had gotten put on pause for just a minute. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like you had big things in your life you wanted to do, big things you wanted to accomplish? It feels like you're kind of on pause. And, and sometimes we find ourselves asking God, what is going on? Why I'm not reaching my goals? I'm not doing what you know, I feel like I want to do. Why does it feel like everything is on pause? That's how they felt. They had this big, great commission in front of them, but now they get this instruction from the Lord, this order that says, do not depart. I want you to sit and wait. And they don't have any... Uh, instruction beyond that. They don't know how long they're going to be waiting. They don't know how long they're going to be in the upper room praying. They have no idea. They just are told by Jesus right before he leaves, do not depart Jerusalem. I want you to wait until God brings... Is that going to be six months? Is that going to be a year? Is that going to be five years? Is that going to be ten years? We're going to be in this upper room gathering and, and praying? They don't know. But that, what are they doing? They're following orders. And they can only do that because they had received clear instruction. They had received a clear statement from Jesus, this is what I want you to do. Now, let me tell you, for every child of God, those types of clear instruction are available for you. Don't ever kid yourself. Don't ever deceive yourself and read something like that and go, yeah, but they, they had Jesus in the flesh. And they could hear him speaking with their own ears. You know, they could, they could ask him questions. And they could. Jesus said that having the Holy Spirit in you was better than that. Now, I know... It takes faith to believe that because we think, no, I would want to see Jesus in the flesh. He said, no, it's actually better for you that I leave and that the Holy Spirit come because now the Holy Spirit is going to be with you and in you 24-7. 
Every single believer worldwide is going to have the Holy Spirit in them that at any time they can ask for guidance. At any time they can ask for truth. At any time they can ask for answers. And he's right there 24-7. You wake up wide awake 2 a.m. in the morning, can't sleep, guess what? Holy Spirit's right there. Jesus might have been sleeping off, you know, you'd have to go wake him up. Or if he wasn't in your house, you'd have to get on your donkey and go find him. The Holy Spirit... In you, 24-7, all the time, waiting, the Bible says, to guide you into all truth, into all knowledge, to bring perfect clarity and instruction for every situation. And many of us ignore him like he's not even there. Don't, sometimes don't even call him a him, call him an it. You know, well, you're talking about the Holy Spirit. Well, it said, no, it's not an it, it's a him. He is part of the Godhead, part of the, part of the Trinity, and the Bible says that, no, He lives in you. Literally, He is a portion and a measure of God on the inside of you. And His whole role and His whole purpose is to guide you into all truth, to bring comfort into your life, to bring instruction and direction. How many of you need instruction and direction from the Lord? I mean, if He's your master and we want to follow orders... Yeah, we need that. I mean, of course, we have the Bible and we follow that. But, there's, but the Bible's not going to tell you who to marry. The Bible's not going to tell you where to work. The Bible's not going to tell you where to live. The Bible's not going to tell you what you're supposed to do with your year. The Bible has a lot of instruction, but how many know there's specific things we need to know beyond that? To do and not do. So, in this instance, praise God, they followed His instruction. I could give you a dozen or more examples in Scripture where people had clear instruction in the Bible and didn't follow His instructions. And you'd see the results of that. Uh, there might be more examples of that in the Bible than, <laughs> than the other way around. But in this instance, praise God, they did follow. They went to the upper room, they stayed in Jerusalem, and they prayed until on the day of Pentecost. How many of you know what happened? The Holy Spirit appeared like tongues of fire, filled them with the Holy Spirit, transformed them into new people, really. It was just an amazing thing. And it just spread from there all over the world. The gospel began to spread all over the world. And it came from some instruction that probably didn't really make sense. You know, God said, look, you got this big call, but I want you to stay put. I want you to not depart. That didn't probably make a lot of sense to them. What did they have? They had trust. They had faith. They had loyalty to God, and so when he spoke, they said, don't matter whether I understand it or not, this is what I'm doing. They stayed in Jerusalem, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of the things that I've noticed, because I, I, as a pastor, I talk to parents all the time, I talk to people all the time, and sometimes you talk to people, and they look like one of those circus performers, you know, that they're like on a unicycle, and then they got bowling pins in this hand, and they got flaming knives in this hand, and, and then they, they got a plate uh, stick on the end of their nose with balancing plates, you know, and they're doing this. And you're like, man, you got a lot going. Every time you talk to them, like, oh, I'm busy. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm like, I bet you are. You got a lot going on. Not doing much, but got a lot going on. Not, not making a big impact, but definitely are busy, no doubt, no doubt. And what have we learned with this? Well, what happens is when people don't know what to do, when they don't have clear instruction and clarity from God on what they're supposed to do, a lot of times they just fill their time with other stuff. And before they know it, they've got this and this, and they're going here and going there and running themselves ragged, not doing anything for God. Nothing God asked them to do, not one thing. And many times get it caught in that trap 
and are so busy, don't even have time for God. They'll, they'll, they're so busy doing all this, they'll cut out church. They'll, they'll drive their kids all over the planet, won't have them in church, won't have them in youth, won't have them in kids' church. They're all over the place doing who knows what, busy, 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 but it really goes back to this issue. They actually don't have clarity and instruction from God on what they're supposed to be doing with their life and their time. How many of you know it'd be better to be really focused and in line with God just doing maybe one or two things than doing about 80 things that have nothing to do with God or nothing that He's asked you to do? But this takes time. It takes time to pull aside, get alone with God, hear from Him, and find out what are you supposed to do. Now, some of us think that they're like, I don't know how to do that. If I get alone with God, I don't hear anything. Well, this is what I've learned. If you get alone with God long enough and you spend enough time with God, there'll be some things that start to bubble up in here. And there'll be some things that start to come to your mind. And there'll be some things in your life that start to get pointed out that are out of order. And before you know it, it'll be a burden on your mind and on your heart. I have to take care of this. I have to focus on this. Let me give you an example. If maybe in the fast... Maybe in the fast, the Lord began to show you, hey, what's your priority for the year? Well, it's your marriage. Because your marriage is out of order. And your marriage is on a track that if you don't get some things straight in five years, you're not even going to be married. How many, don't raise your hand on this one. I had to say this last week. I, do not raise your hand. How many of you have been divorced? Okay, don't raise your hand. Just think, okay. How many of you have been divorced? that five years before that happened, it would have been nice to have a coach or somebody come alongside you and go, hey, if you continue these patterns, if things are going, if continue going this way, this is how it's going to end and show you a picture of what that's going to look like and give you a chance to make some adjustments along the way. I mean, how, how good would it be to not have to live in regret, but instead be on the front end with the Holy Spirit showing you, hey, you need to focus on this because Here's what's coming down the road. And it doesn't do me any good. You know, they say hindsight's 2020. Well, how about foresight can be 2020 when you have the Holy Spirit in you? Hindsight 2020 doesn't do you any good. It's already happened, it's already over. You can't unscramble eggs. But what if on the front end, the Holy Spirit can start showing you things about your marriage? What if, some of you, and I know because I have teenagers right now, some of you if, you, if you did this fast right, okay, and, and maybe not even fasting, just spending time with God, you'll be alone with God, and sometimes He'll begin to show you, hey, this one that you're raising, this one right here that you're raising, you got four of them, but this one that you're raising, you need to keep an eye on them, and this year is pivotal for their life. This year is pivotal for their life. And if, 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 you don't, if you're out of tune and out of touch this year, everything's going to change for them and for their future. And as a youth pastor, I saw it over and over and over and again. And as a pastor today, I see it over and over again. Kids that are they're sweet, they look a certain way, they're on a good path, and one thing in their life changed. They change schools, they get a wrong friend, they see something on the internet, something, and one little thing changes. And, and in their life, they can look back. If you ask them when they're 25, when they're 30, 35, and you ask them, hey, when did everything go wrong in your life? They can point back to a specific moment. 
and they can say, when I was this age, this happened, I met this person, I was exposed to this, and from that day forward, everything changed. Guess what? The Holy Spirit knows all about that. And when you're their parent, He's speaking to you. But if we're so out of tune and out of touch, busy, 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 balancing plates, juggling bowling pins, and we're so busy doing everything, how are we going to hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, you, got, you think you got a lot to do this year? You don't. Here's your focus for this year. You don't have a lot to do. You have a few things to do this year, and this is what I really want you to focus on. And listen, if, as a parent, if the Lord were to show you that about one of your children, and that's all you accomplished for 2022, if that's all you accomplished was, was keep them on the right track, spend more time with them than you normally would, ask questions that you wouldn't normally ask, pry, dig, preserve, and you ended up changing the course of their future, how many of you know there's not a better way you could spend 2022? And there's things like that in our life on and on, from our marriage, to our health, to our children, to our jobs, that the Holy Spirit can say, hey, for 2022, this is what I want you focused on. There's a lot of things you're focused on and doing that make, they don't make a hill of beans. But this you need to focus on. And I don't know if you've experienced that or not. If you say, I don't know how to do that, but this is what I know. If you get alone with the Lord, He's not a respecter of persons. The Bible, the, that means the Bible says that. It doesn't, that means He doesn't give favor to one person over another. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever for all of us. Anyone who will turn aside, anyone who will spend time with God and ask those questions and will say, God, what do you have? My life is yours. My time is yours. My energy, my effort, my abilities and talents are yours. How do you want me spending 2022? And it doesn't mean your life is going to go on hold. But I've had things given me at the beginning of years that they guide me and they direct me all year. They guide me and direct me. And every time I start getting off, I'll go back and you need to journal it because you'll forget. And I'll go back and I'll read that journal. I'll go, yeah, okay. There's my focus. This is what the Lord spoke to me. And he'll reaffirm it. That's right. This is what you need to be focused on this year. As a pastor, you know, I just speak from, from my experience, but in, in, in uh, pastoring and leading this church, there's a thousand different directions we could go at any point. I mean, there's the kids ministry. There's the youth ministry. There's, there's missions. There's building projects. There's these things, outreach in the city. There's this pro There's everything going on all the time. You, you can't do everything. And, and you'd spin your wheels trying to be involved in everything and be out of the will of God. But, praise God for the Holy Spirit, that when you get along with Him, He can say, no, 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 that, don't worry about that. That's not your focus. This is your focus. And that is where all the fruit is. That's where all the grace is. That's where none of the anxiety and the stress are is in that lane where the Lord says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to spend your time. And again, it can be so simple. It, it, you're not, you're, don't think the heavens are going to part. Don't think you're going to hear a voice from God. Nothing like that. Just as you spend time with God, He like, you know what I want you to focus on this year? It could be just something as simple as selfishness. You are too selfish. And it is hurting every relationship in your life. We don't want to hear that for sure. Say, Lord, can you try again? Is there something else you want me to focus on this year? It could be just that simple. But he'll begin, that, that's the relationship that we have with him. He'll just show you little things. 
And again, for you parents, for those of you that are married and have kids, it's you, you have to be listening. You can't afford to not be in tune in this day and age that we live in. You cannot. There, there are children, there are children in, our, in, in your homes, in our homes, unfortunately, there are children right now in our homes that have been exposed to things that it's not too late right now. They're just on the front end of seeing things, hearing things in a relationship, and they need a godly parent who is in tune with the Spirit to come in their life and go, what, what's going on here? And avert something disastrous in their life. And that requires being Spirit-filled. That requires being in touch. You go, oh, well, they're, they're just kids, and, and uh, you know, we all got into stuff, and we'll all get through it. Guess what? I pastor a lot of people that didn't get through it all the time. They go, well, you know, we, we all got through it. Look at me, I'm fine. And I sometimes question, are you? I mean, three divorces later, you know, broken, th- I don't know. <laughs> yeah, how about we avoid some of that? <laughs> how about we avoid some of that if we can? I don't think the idea of, oh, well, they'll just be fine. And especially in the day and age that we live in. Because I, I deal with, as a youth pastor, I dealt with this a lot. And now as a pastor, I, I still see it. Kids that got... Uh, attached to things, addicted to things, in wrong relationships when they were teenagers that totally redirected the course of their life. And they're paying the price for it for the next 20, 30 years. No, it matters. And, And how many of you know the Holy Spirit is inside of you to help you parent, guide, change, direct, see things that you can't see? I depend on Him for that. I can't see it on my own. I need the Holy Spirit to help me. Amen. Amen. What can cloud this focus? Now, first of all, we're talking about hearing and, and getting that focus, but I'm presuming and hoping that some of you already got that during the fast. Some of you are sitting there going, oh, man, I didn't get anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little worried now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I, I do everything I can to get you to see and understand how important it is. It is important to take ta- time alone with God. And... There's nothing magic about the first of the year. If you missed it, maybe you need to do it again. It's that important. Maybe you need to take time. Maybe there's some things you cut out that don't need to come back until you can hear from God and get clarity about what you need to do. But once you have it, okay, once the Lord gives you that focus of, all right, what am I supposed to be doing? I want to warn you, okay? You can feel really passionate about it at the beginning of the year, and three months later, you can just about have forgotten it. Because, again, it's so easy to get tied up in these things, so I encourage you to journal it. Write it down. And as he speaks to you on it throughout the year, write more. Everything he shows you, keep it in one place. And what I do is when I'm losing focus, I go back and I read it. I'll go back and read it probably once a month. Go back and read, what, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be focused on this year? What has God shown me that is... Very important for my future. What will cloud this focus and clarity once you get it? What will make it fuzzy? I'm going to give you three things that once you get clarity on how you're supposed to spend your year and what you're supposed to do, there's three things that will come in and, and cloud that. Okay, And I want, to, I want to give those to you. The first one is comparison. John chapter 21, verse 18 I want to look there with you. The first thing is comparison. Comparing yourself to other people. Comparing your marriage 
to other marriages, comparing your family to other families, comparing your life to other people's. And how many of you know the social media like magnified this times a thousand? If you're on social media and you're constantly looking at other people's lives, <laughs> constantly seeing the, 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 the snapshots and the, the best, only the best 3% of their life, you know, their vacations and their gourmet meals and their, you know, Pinterest crafts or whatever. Look, I hope I'm not out of date because I'm not even on social media anymore and I, I hope I'm not, I hope this is still relevant. But anyway, maybe on to something else now. But I know social media really amped this up because you're always seeing other people's lives and it can't help but create that spirit of comparison where you're constantly comparing your marriage to theirs, your finances to theirs, your car to theirs, your meals to theirs, your exercise habits to theirs. <laughs> on and on and on. And guess what? That'll cloud focus quicker than anything. Because guess what? That's not your life. That's theirs. And you have your life before God. And you're not going to stand before God, give an account for their life. You're going to stand before God and give an account for your life. And nobody knows what God has told you. I mean, I have friends with big churches. And they come in and they, they come and they minister at our church and they see our church and they go, oh man, if you just did this, this, and this, you'd blow the church up to the doors and you, we'd have more people than you knew what to do with if you just do this and this and this. And I go, okay, and I listen. And I go, you know, and I appreciate it, I don't mind it. But I just think to myself, listen, I, you don't know what God's spoken to me. You don't know how God has instructed us to do this. And my goal is not one thing or another. My goal is just to hear from God and obey Him. And I'm not trying to, I'm not going after this or going after that. I'm going after God. And in the process, he'll show you, I want you to do it this way. I want you to handle it this way. So in John chapter 21, verse 18, Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. See, he was talking to Peter about actually being crucified. If you read it, you, we know the way Peter died. And then you go back and read this, you see what he was saying. He said, someone's going to stretch out your hands. Another's going to dress you. They're going to carry you where you do not want to go. And that was to the cross. Peter was going to be crucified like Jesus was. And then in verse 19, he gives him this powerful, after telling that, he says, look, Follow me. Okay. In other words, this is the way your life is going to end. This is the course of your life. He says, specifically, they're going to carry you where you do not want to go. In other words, this isn't necessarily the path you would have picked. It's not the way you would have gone. It's not the way you would have done things. But he said, look, Peter, just follow me. Just keep your eyes on me and follow me. Verse 20, Peter turned, and this is that comparison. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, following them. The one who also had leaned against uh, him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? So again, that's John. When Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, why are you worried about John? What if I picked it for you that you would die in a year to honor me and I picked John to pastor the biggest church in Jerusalem? What does it matter? That's my call for John, but that doesn't tell you anything about my call for you. 
that's John. And that's you. And he says, and it's not helpful for you to get your eyes on John and worry about the way things are working out with John. It's not a good idea for you to look at John and go, well, how come God did it like this with him? How come that's not working out that way with me? Because you're not John. That's John. You are Peter. And he said, this is my instruction to you. This is now the second time he told him. He said, my instruction to you is follow me. In other words, keep your eyes on me. See, Peter already had a problem with this before when he was on the, the water, walking on the water, you remember? And he got his eyes off Jesus and he got it on the storm and he started to sink. And Jesus told him, keep your eyes on me. And same thing going on here. He said, get your eyes off of John. Get your eyes off the other apostles. Quit worrying about what, how I'm doing things with everybody else. Quit asking why this is happening to me and it's not happening to them. And, and you, all these things we do, all this comparison, it comes in a lot of different forms. And just realize, hey, this is your life. This is between you and God. And I'm not going to compare myself to other people because my life is unique. My call is unique. My purpose is unique. And I trust God enough to not worry about how it's happening with any of you. I, I just want to go before God and find out what he's doing with me and him. Amen? Okay, what else will cloud it? Number two, a people-pleasing spirit. The desire to please other people. The desire to not have anybody mad at you. Because no one, so many times when God speaks something to you and you get really narrow and you get really focused by definition and default of what that is, you have to cut out a lot of other things. And when you begin to cut out other things by default, sometimes you begin to cut out other people and you begin to cut out their desires for your life and you begin to cut out their expectations of your life. And what they think you should be doing. And what they think you should be. But again, they're not your master. The Lord is your master. And I'm going to tell you this. Pleasing people can become an idol in anybody's life. What is an idol? Something that I worship or I'm more devoted to than I am to God. And I've seen in a lot of people's lives things that they didn't want to do. Things they knew they were not supposed to be doing. But because they didn't want to upset people, they did them anyway. Well, if that's the case, then that person is your master, and God is not. And your desire to please people is your master. God is not. So a people-pleasing spirit will get you off of your focus when people don't understand what you're doing. Look, uh, again, I can only speak from my, my experience. I tell you my experience just so you, know, you can apply it to your own experience. But as a pastor, everybody that comes through this door has an expectation of who I'm supposed to be. Because many of them have had other pastors or they were in this type of church and so they come in and well, this is what pastors are like. This is what pastors do. This is how pastors talk. This is how pastors dress. This is how pastors visit people. This is how, on and on and on. Everybody has an expectation. Guess what? I serve God. I don't serve people. I serve people in service of God. But if I'm living according to man's expectations, then I'm not living according to God's expectations. So I don't, you know, people-pleasing, you have to die to that. Because somebody, as in pastoring, and, and if you own a business or run a business in it, somebody's always going to be mad at you. <laughs> Someone's always going to be mad at you. And this is what I found out. They're not mad at you because they love you. <laughs> Think about that one for just a minute. <laughs> They're not mad at you because they love you. 
In other words, they're not mad at you because they want your best interest. They're mad at you because they love themselves. And they want their best interest. They're mad because you won't do what they want you to do. Listen, that's not love. That's manipulation. Okay, if, if you get mad at someone and you try to control them through your, through your anger when they don't do what you tell them to do, that's not love. You're just mad because they won't do what you want them to do. So as somebody who's going to follow God and be really focused and have clarity and instruction from God and be really focused and do what he's called you to do, by default, you're going to make other people mad. That's just par for the course. Because that means you're going to have to say no to a lot of things. If you're saying yes to what God's called you to do, every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. All right? By saying yes to be at church this morning, you're saying no to sitting home on the couch watching the pregame and cooking chili. By saying yes to get up and pray, you're saying no to more sleep. By saying yes to God, you're saying no to people in a lot of cases, in a lot of instances. So... It's not like you become a total jerk or anything like that, but you, you do have to care more about what God thinks than what people think. And, and again, I tell you from my experience, I've had many times where I've had to say, no, I'm not going to be part of that. I can't be part of that. No, I actually don't think I'm supposed to do that or be part of that. This is how I believe God's asked me to spend my time and do what I've been called to do. And people go, well, you know, well, that just, you know, and they're upset or they're offended. And I go, I love you so much, and I don't want you to be offended, but that's between you and God, and what I have to do is between me and God. But I've seen many times a people-pleasing spirit derail people from their focus. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, we'll get a quick picture of this. I've been on this scripture all of 2021. God had just so many lessons in this passage. Luke 10, 38, now... As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted. Everybody say distracted. Distracted. I see, that's the opposite of what we're talking about. We're talking about being very narrow and focused on what God's called us to do, but Martha was the opposite. Martha was distracted with much serving. She's like that circus performer. She's got a lot going on. She was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So what was Martha really saying there? Let's, let's do the uh, One Life translation version, you know, this one. What, what was Martha really saying in that moment? Here's what she was really saying. She was saying, Jesus, I am really busy, really busy doing a lot of stuff I'm not supposed to be doing. Stuff that no one even asked me to do, but stuff I thought was expected of me because I'm a people pleaser, and I want to make them happy. And so I was doing it, and now I'm mad at Mary because she's focused and not doing what I'm doing. That's really what she was saying. She was saying, I'm over here doing all of this stuff, and it was stuff she didn't want to be doing because her heart wasn't right. If her heart was right, she never would have got mad. Just please learn that. It... Sometimes, if somebody gets mad at you because they're doing something and then you don't help them and then they get mad at you, they weren't doing it for the right reason. So if she was doing it for the right reason, as under the Lord, as the Bible talks about, she wouldn't have got mad at Mary. 
because she would have understood what we're talking about. This is what God's asked me to do. I'm serving and doing because this is my role. Mary has her role. You see all kind of things combined right here. You see the comparison. You see the people pleasing. It's all right here. But the Lord answered her, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. That's, that's where her service was coming out of. That's where her distraction was coming out of. That's where her frustration was coming out of. Anxiety and troubled about many things, but there's one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing. But there's one thing necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, you're mad at her, but actually she's doing exactly what's right. And actually, you're the one who's wrong. You're the one who's off because you haven't discerned the difference between being busy and being focused. Mary is focused on that one thing she's supposed to be doing. You are just busy wasting time doing a lot of things that you're not supposed to be doing and nobody asked you to do. See, Paul learned this lesson too, Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. He said, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Wow. So Paul learned this lesson too. He said, if I'm busy trying to serve man, I can't serve God. So he found out these two things are in opposition to each other. If I'm trying to please man, then I'm not focused on pleasing God. So he says, no, 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 I'm, I am not still trying to seek the approval of man. I've left that behind because if I were still trying to please man, then I would not be a servant of God. And by default, what he's saying is I would actually be a servant of man and man's opinion of me. He said, but I can't do that. I can't afford to do that. So just in a sense, we have to die to the opinions of people about our life and what we should be doing. And, and I've learned this about most people's life. You know, um, there's enough stuff in your own life that needs to be in order. Enough, enough things that you could be focused on. Enough things you could be looking at, taking care of, then coming to look at my life and trying to figure out what I need to be doing, right? That's, most people in our life, we look around and you go, oh, you have time to look at my life and inspect it and figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. That's amazing because looking at your life, I would wonder, did you have enough time to look at your own life and figure out what you're supposed to be doing? I didn't get any amens on that. I guess y'all didn't think that was as funny as I thought it was. But. <laughs> but Jesus said that, right? He said, why are you trying to take the, the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a log in your own? Most people's house is not in order, but they have plenty of time to make sure other people's house is in order. And I'm thinking, man, if you have, and, and how many times have I asked myself this question? You know, somebody comes and, they think they know what I'm supposed to be doing. Again, I'm not, I just use myself as an example because I don't know any of your situations. But how many times does somebody come to you and they have something they just know you're supposed to do? And I want to say, did you pray about that? Like, are you hearing that from God? Because I've been praying about that a lot. I've been seeking God about that a lot. And I'm just wondering, did you just come off of this with the top of your head? Like, is that just thought and now you came to tell me that? Because... If you didn't pray about it and you didn't get it from God, where is it coming from? Just your idea or opinion? And listen, most ideas and opinions that come in your life, that's how it is. They're going to say it, then they're going to forget about it and move on, and you've got to live with it. <laughs> you've got to live with it. But you're not accountable to them. You're accountable to God. 
Now, there could be a whole other sermon, guys. There could be, we could spend a whole other sermon talking about receiving instruction, about how there's uh, wisdom and safety in the counsel of, of many people. We could spend a lot of time on that. Okay? So there's, of course, there's value of other people speaking into your life and listening to counsel and, and all of that and being you know, open to hear correction. All That's a whole other sermon. But this issue is still a big one. People that are giving uh, opinions and things that you're supposed to be doing with your life that are basically uninvited. And sometimes people will try to take authority in your life that you never gave them. Like, I, like I had to tell somebody that one time, uh, well, actually, no, there are people in my life that do what you're trying to do. It's just, it's not you. I have other people that do that. There are other people in my life that I'm accountable to, other pastors, other men of God that have that, that voice. It's just, that's not you. You're trying to make it you. And that happens a lot where we have people in our life that we trust, that are godly, that we want their advice, we want their counsel. It's godly counsel. They have our best interest in mind. Then you got another group that always want to give you their opinion, and they, you didn't give them that platform, right? You didn't give them that place. And you have to know the difference. But when you're a people pleaser, you can't know the difference. It's hard to know the difference. Because you don't want anybody to be mad at you, whether they, they should have that place in your life or not. You just don't want anybody to be, to be angry or mad at you. You don't want to upset anybody. But you know what? That will distract you off of your focus of what God's called you to do. Last thing, discontentment. Being discontent will drive you to get off of the simplicity of what God's called you to do. And... When you're in a situation, sometimes following God means things that you want are delayed. Things that you want instantly and immediately and that you know you could change by your own strength or your own money or your own time. You want them to change instantly, but you feel like God is telling you, wait, hold back. When you get discontent, though, it'll, it'll drive you to make decisions that you should have never made. It'll drive you to make purchases you should have never made. It'll drive you to change jobs, change situations. You should have never, you should have stayed there. You should have stuck it out. You should have listened to God. Okay, sometimes we change and it is God. Sometimes we do things and it is God. I'm, I'm just saying sometimes discontentment will drive us to do things that we should not have been doing. I'll show you this, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul writes, but godliness, this is uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. Now, in this passage, he's talking specifically about money, but it's not only money that can do this. See, if you have a desire for anything that's driving you and dr driving your decisions, this same process is at work. You know, if, if you desire uh, material things, this, this can happen. If you desire a relationship, if you desire a status, you can pursue it, and this, this same process can be, at, can be at work. So he said, but those who desire to be rich, they fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. In other words, what he's, what he's touching on here 
is that when you get discontent, you get unsettled in your heart, it has the ability to, to drive you to a decision. It has the ability to, to drive you to make a, a decision, to make a change. And sometimes that decision is not right. And that change is not, not correct. Have you ever dealt with anything and you tolerated it for months, tolerated it for maybe years, and then there was just like that breaking point, and you're like, all right, that's it, I'm taking care of this, and you acted out of that desire, out of that motivation, and then sometimes on the other side of it, you go, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should have I waited, I should have been patient. And this is what he's touching on, that when you get frustrated, when you get discontent, you get your eyes on other things, it has the ability to, to fuel your decision-making. And through all of these things we've mentioned, comparison, okay, being discontent, being a people pleaser, through all of these things, they have the ability to fuel your decision making. And, and what I want you to see this morning is there's really only one thing that should be fueling your decision making. You shouldn't be making decisions because you compared yourself and somebody has something else you don't have or your life situation is different. You shouldn't be making decisions because you want to please somebody else or make somebody else happy. You shouldn't be making decisions out of discontent. You should be making decisions as a born-again, spirit-filled believer who has the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you have a direction from God. Now, I'm not talking about going to the grocery store and picking out, you know, what flavor of soda to drink. I'm talking about decisions in your life. And I believe that if you set time aside, and I hope, hope that was the point of the fast, so I, I hope that you did that. I know that God will speak to you as his, as his children, as his son and as his daughter. God will speak to you. It may not be anything extravagant, but it could be so simple. What are you supposed to be doing for 2022? And I promise you, if you get that and you focus on that for this year, you let God speak to you about what you're supposed to be doing. The fruit of that will be hard to calculate. You will experience more peace, more grace, more fruit in your life and in your year than you ever have before. Get from God. Don't, don't be the ultimate decision maker in your life. Let God be that. Let the Holy Spirit direct your, your days and your weeks and your months and your years. You'll be so glad and so thankful that you did. Amen.